While you remain standing, get your Bibles out, please, if you would. Get your Bibles out. Turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Boy, are we going to shift gears from this morning to tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I wanted to start at verse number 24. Verse number 24, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, starting in verse number 24. I will read out loud. You read silently along with me. Verse 24, chapter number 11. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes. Is that? Yeah, that's right. Okay. 40 stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day. I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils uh, by my own countrymen, of perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, the things which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the church. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us please to be and say and do what you want us to be and say and do. I acknowledge right now, I don't, I don't want to stand up here by myself. Lord, to be honest with you, if you had someone else to lead, I'd do my best to be a good everyday person in a church. But you have called me to help your people, and I'm trying my best to do that. So I would ask for your blessings tonight on your word, that as we go forward tonight, that it brings some understanding to some people. Our world is under such pressure anyway. Christians are fainting left and right, and I would like to help them. Lord, please help us tonight, and I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you. You can be seated. Some of you may already know this uh, because of the Internet. There, there's no such thing as news anymore. Everybody already knows before the announcement's made. Is this on? Uh, a very dear friend of ours, of mine, in this church, uh, Clint Cavanis, he and his wife, Karen. Uh, he passed away the other day. Uh, he graduated and is in heaven now. And uh, he has been to our church for our marriage conference, probably the best marriage conference team we have ever had here at our church. Uh, they live all the way out in Oregon. And once you get there, then you have to travel like 30 miles from the airport by car just to get where they live and where their church is at. Well, come to find out that just um, Wednesday, he preached in his, this past Wednesday, he preached in his pulpit. On Thursday, he spent the day fishing. And on Friday, he suffered a massive heart attack. They had told him about 10 years ago that the heart surgery, he's got a lot more problems than just his heart, or had, he does it now. They told him this would probably last for about 10 years. That's how long it lasted. And then he went to go be with the Lord. Those of you that know Clint and Karen Cavanis, very good people. Very, all they want to do is help. Now, please understand, sometimes when you want to help, it's greatly misunderstood. And they were greatly misunderstood by a lot of people. 
our church does not happen to be one of those. And so they were accepted here. We learned a lot from here because of their teaching and preaching. Uh, you would be amazed at how many lives have been changed and saved because of those two people that have been here at our church. So now we have a lady out there without a husband, kids without a daddy, and a church without a preacher. And so I would desire, and they would too, your prayer. I don't want to get too close. Would you go back? Take care of the kids. So I want you to remember them in prayer, and uh, it would mean a lot to them. I text her today. I did not expect her. I'm talking about his wife, Karen, to text me back just a praying for you. If there's anything we can do, let us know. If you do that same thing, I would appreciate it. You may not be able to text her, but you can pray. And uh, so I would appreciate it if you do that. How many of you remember Clint and Karen Cavins? I figured that you did. So just remember them in prayer, would you? Thank you very much. <coughs> Somewhere beyond the grave, there is a land where Jesus went to prepare by his own hand. And for the saved by grace, there is a resting place. And in a few more days, it will be mine. Some call it heaven. Some call it dreaming. Well, let me dream on. Some call it paradise. Somewhere beyond the skies. Some call it heaven. Someone said you can't go back home again For things will not ever be as good as they've been But I've got good news for you. When heaven comes into view, one glimpse and you'll know the best is yet to come. Some call it heaven.
Some call it dreaming. Well, let me dream on. Some call it paradise. Somewhere beyond the skies. Some call it heaven. I call it home. Some call it paradise. Somewhere beyond the skies. Some call it heaven. chapter number 11, verse 24 through verse 28. How is it possible after reading everything that the Apostle Paul went through, remember he's just a human being, by the way, everything that he went through, all the constant pressure, all the worry, all the events, just stop and imagine what all that man went through. And he was saved later on in life, so it wasn't like he was raised in a Christian home. He wasn't at all. Today you hear people using such terms as this, I can't take much more of this. I feel like ending it all. I need professional help. I can't help myself. I'm a manic depressive. I see a psychologist regularly to help control my depression. I'm suicidal. Let's ask Paul. Paul, how did you handle all this? He went through more than anybody in this room. So my first understanding would be how in the world did this man face all of this? How did he get past being depressed, suicidal, calling it quits? I can't go on. How do you do this? In a newspaper clipping, CBS's Wallace, he was a reporter at one time, appeals for depression research funds. CBS News correspondent Mike Wallace recounted his bouts with depression to senators and appealed for federal research funds and national attention for this illness. Wallace told the Special Committee on Aging he sometimes uh, has had had the feeling of being lower, lower, lower than a snake's belly. Now, he said, after taking antidepressive medication, I've never felt better, having been through hell. He misspoke. There is a light, he said, at the end of the tunnel. Wallace told the panel, he cautioned that drug treatments alone is not sufficient. You must, I'm sorry, you've got to talk to a competent psychiatrist. He said the social stigma attached to depression has begun to disappear thanks largely to public disclosures of self-known movie stars. I want to help you with something this morning. How do you handle pressure? 
How do you handle pressure? Uh, I'm not the epitome of this. I think the Apostle Paul is. Now, we're not talking about Jesus because you make excuses. Yeah, but he was God's son. Okay, then let's talk about the Apostle Paul. This message actually came out of, just let you know because I've talked to others, years ago, seriously, years ago, of a counseling session in my office where questions came up about antidepressant, prescription drugs, psychiatry, and so on and so forth. When you do that, people expect you as a pastor to help them. Everybody knows pastors know everything. Let me make four statements before we go on, and this may mean something to you. I, I find out in, in any given situation, when you inundate a person with enough information, even if it's false, many people will believe it. Now, I'm not a doctor. Well, I am, but I'm not, that, I'm not a medical doctor. Number one statement. Depression is not a disease. Now, I'm going to try to convince you of this tonight and then show you what to do about it. Number one, depression is not a disease. Number two, depression is an emotional exhibit brought on by the mind. It's an emotional exhibit brought on by the mind. Number one, I said depression is not a disease. Number two, depression is an emotional exhibit brought on by the mind. Number three, this is why drugs cannot help the problem because it has to do with the mind. Drugs cover, manipulate, or numb, but it can't help. So what do we find out here? It suppresses the feelings and the emotions brought on by the mind. That's true. It does do that. Actually, drugs make you sleepy, numb, uh, helping you to try to forget what is bothering you so that you can go on. And actually, it helps to a point. It eases the depression at the time, but the mind is still the same. If I have a severe cut on my arm and you bandage it, I still had the cut. The bandage only was there and covered it up. I'm going to try to convince you something. Next, in order to help a person caught in a depressive state, you must mentally help them, not just physically numb them. No one is born in a depressive state nor is it inherited. Depression is a result of the thoughts of the mind. Now, I know, I know there are people all over this world that, that it, it, I hate to say this, it's kind of like every heavyset person has a fibroid problem. They all do. We all do. I have one. We, we all do, right? We, we're looking for a why I have this problem instead of how do I get out of this? So, depression is the result of the thoughts of the mind. A constant dwelling on helplessness, hopelessness, negative thoughts, impure thoughts, evil thoughts, ugly thoughts, dishonest thoughts, sad thoughts, in the mind. In the mind. In the, look, folks, whoever or whatever controls the mind controls the person. It's not the other way around. Whatever happens to the body still has to go through the mind, and the mind is called the head for a reason. Everything gets its orders from the mind. 
So thusly, if the mind is evil affected or wrongly affected, it tends to come out in our body or our actions. Does that make sense to you? When a person, sinner or Christian, gets caught in a circle of this kind of thinking, he loses control of his mind. You have a will. That's what I meant. You have a will. God gave it to you. The Bible says that it is a law of God that's called the law of the mind, which is the will. Romans chapter 7, I believe it talks about that. God gave you our three moral agents. Unless you were an accident or you have a permanent chemical reaction, something is wrong here. That's the person I'm trying to address right now. He loses, he, he, he loses control of his mind, then his emotions, and then perhaps even, even, perhaps even then his life. It's a progression. It's a progression. So we asked Paul, how could you sing at midnight in prison after being beaten? How could you do that? I can't do that. See, we, we just write ourselves off, right? Now, hold on. Are you telling me God loved Paul more than he loves you? Are you telling me God allowed Paul to do something physically or mentally that we don't have the capability of doing? If God asked us to do, yes, he did. we can. Let me ask you this too. How could you, Paul, write letters from in prison, in prison, to encourage people to live for Christ? How could you do that? How can you have that kind of an attitude and spirit after all that you went through to actually care for other people? How could you continue to care about others and the souls of lost men after all you went through? Man, I'll tell you right now, forget that stuff. If this is the way Christianity is, I'm done. How could he do that? I want you to turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we've got to get through this whole lesson here. Okay? How many brought you lunch? Good, wonderful. Ephesians chapter number 6. Drop down to verse number 11. Now, you've got to listen to all this. If not, you'll go from here reading into what I said more than listening to what I said. It's like people do the Bible. A lot of people read into the Bible instead of just reading the Bible and let God tell them. Does that make sense? We do it all the time. Down to verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse number 13. Wherefore, or because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I'll get back to that in a little bit. Verse 17, and taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Look at verse number 11. Verse number 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, this is speaking about an evil warfare. Okay, we don't, we don't fuss with flesh and blood. That's not what's causing our problem. That's what gets blamed. That's not what's causing our problem. Look at verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and he tells us what we're wrestling against. So we have two verses that says there is a warfare going on, and we are in this wrestling match with evil. More exact, an evil being the devil, 
the world. Ready? Ready? What's the other one? Our own flesh. Right? D.L. Moody said, I am my own worst enemy. And that's the case. So if I cannot control this, and God gave me that law, said I can. But if I can't, whatever manipulates or uses this is going to control me. Is that, does that make sense? Okay, that's kind of like the way it works. Okay, so watch this very carefully. Go down to verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherefore, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Of the wicked. Every Christian in here is in a great wrestling match. A great wrestling match. As the evil one wins, he puts pressure on us to pin us to the ground. So every time he pushes us farther and farther, and the more we give in, the more he keeps pressing to pin us to the ground. So in verse number 16, how does he do this? Ready? All the fiery darts of the wicked. Let me explain that to you. We come to find out that the fiery darts of the wicked are those thoughts that come into our brain that he instigates because whoever controls the mind controls the person. He cannot take you to hell, dear saint. So what he's trying to do is take away all effectiveness. And one of the best ways to do that is get us into a saddened, depressed state to where all we think about is us. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying this is the way it goes. And so, therefore, I can't help them because I'm thinking about me. I can't do this over here because I'm thinking about me. I can't do that over here because I'm thinking about me. He's got you against the ropes. He's got you against the ropes, and the only thing he's doing is using your mind against you. Who controls the thoughts controls the mind. Who controls the thoughts? Just think about what I'm saying. Who controls the mind controls the spirit or the attitude. Not Holy Spirit, your spirit. Attitude. Ready? Why are you doing that? Because of what you're thinking. You said, no, I can't help it. Not true. Let me help you here a little bit. Now, why am I preaching on this? I'm hearing more and more about this type of situation. More and more God's people sit in the pew like this. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? You're saved. There's heaven. Christ died for you. There's prayer. We have the word of God. We have other people to be around. And we cannot seem to get out of this funk, if you would, to finally do something for God because we're thinking too much about us. And that's what brings on depression. So, let me help you here. Who controls the thoughts controls the mind. Who controls the mind controls the spirit. Who controls the attitude or the spirit, if you would, controls the emotions. And the emotions are what shows going on as a result of the mind. People say, you learn how to read people. Some people are very easy to read. Everybody's shouting and having a happy time, and you're doing this. What, what's, what's up with that? Oh, nothing's really going on. Don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Look, we're all going to be in heaven singing. You think you're going to be over in the corner pouting? Why would you not be doing that? Because everything's been changed. Right? You're going to be like Christ. Okay, right now the Bible said we sat with Christ in heavenly places here on this earth. Right now, right now. The problem is we're letting other things, including ourselves, because it's an enemy, control our mind, and therefore we're not living for God like we should. Let me give you an example. The worldly teenager today. Sorry, fellas. I'm talking about, okay? Their minds, they're, they're, they're mean. They're destructive. They're violent, they're abusive, 
They're sad. They're despondent. They're depressed. They're suicidal. There are more suicides committed from 10-year-olds to 17-year-olds than there has ever been in this world. In America, how can that be? Because they're thinking and have been taught to think too much about themselves. Parents are playing right into that, by the way. Why is this happening? Because their minds are controlled or are consumed by the things that are not good for their spirit. Spirit's their attitude. Example, rap music. I just like it. It is sinful, it's wicked, it's cussing, it's violent. How can you as a Christian, and by the way, uh, I could bring up some, not rap, I don't I could. Don't do that. Amen. God bless you. As soon as you do that, okay, you get a Harley Davidson, fellas. You ready? Where's Jerry? Jerry, you here? Where's Jerry? Jerry, Jerry. Jerry's going to go from that sissy bike he drives to a full Harley Davidson. What kind of bike you got? Oh, classic. Okay, well, then never mind. It's classic. Uh, classic means it's old. Anyway, uh, I'm a classic. As soon as you get on a motorcycle, my wife tells me, honey, when you get on a, on a Harley, if it's a Sportster or a Chopper or any kind, you get an attitude. Get yourself a Mopar car. Not one of these. I'm talking about. You get in a car like that and you step at a stoplight, you're, you're crunching down. It affects your mind, changes your attitude, and you begin to act in ways that you don't normally act. You're starting to identify me. It's like me talking about chicken the other night. Now, you, now I'm down on your level. You understand some things, right? Rock and roll, rap, drugs, internet, cussing, dirty thinking, sex outside of marriage, fighting, revenge, helpful. Helpless, hopeless thoughts. All of these things are detrimental to your spirit. It begins to affect the mind and the mind affects the spirit and the spirit starts showing itself in our actions. Keep those thoughts. I'm headed somewhere. Depression is the result of the state of mind of a person. Now they said, well, that's oversimplified. No, 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 no. Don't make it more than what it is. Listen to me carefully. So it would make sense to me if I could control what goes into my mind, I could control my attitude. Does that make sense? If I could control what goes on in my mind or goes into my mind, I should be able to control my attitude. Does that make sense? If I could control my attitude, I could control my emotions and I could control my feelings. We're starting to act like we have no control. My dear friend, you have more control than you realize. God gave it to you. And it starts right here. Starts right here. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse number 23. Verse 23. Here's what you're after. That first word, isn't it? The whole world is looking for this. The whole world just wants, can we just have some peace? We can say that for the world. We can say that for America. We can say that for ourselves. I'm sorry. I thought one of the greatest things that happened to you when you got saved was the peace that passeth all understanding. You mean to tell me God didn't give you any? 
You mean to tell me God saved you from hell, put you on a good path, and still he didn't give you any of his peace? That is an absolute false statement. You say, well, the devil can't take a Christian to hell, so what does he do? He wins your spirit over by causing you to think about wrong things. Make Christians, he makes Christians of none effect, preoccupying them with themselves. This is why I almost insist, hey, pay attention to me. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. Get your mind centered back on what it should be, what causes so much depression and so much anger and so much out of controlness is we're not thinking the way we're supposed to be thinking. Can't you get your mind off of you? If you did, you'd begin to win souls, teach a Sunday school class, work a bus route. But you see, I think about me too much. Thus, you have become your own worst enemy. Turn to Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter number 14. By the way, don't hang around and listen to people who are always negative and have a bad attitude. Very depressing. By the way, that's what most people, most preachers deal with. Other than in church, they go, hey, preacher, have a good day. Other than that, I love you. So, okay, now watch this. You say, well, I have a problem. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. How do I keep a good attitude? I'm a human being just like you. I know you don't believe that, but I am. My wife's getting ready to go in for surgery. She has cancer. I don't know really what all that means yet, but she's facing it. A very good friend of mine just passed away. You could say, I'm having a bad day. If that's what you want, you can. I was talking to Mrs. Mullins, and uh, everybody, her son is sick, and he's coughing all over. I said, don't cough on your mom and get sick. Here's what she said. No, I won't. I'm getting sick. And I said, had a girl, Mrs. Mullins. I said the same thing. My wife, she's going to get sick. You better be careful. You're going to get sick. I said, I'm not going to get sick. Everybody else getting sick. You're going to get sick too. We almost talk ourselves into it, don't we? <coughs> yeah. I think you're right. You ever notice you have a pain behind your eyeball? Here's the first person says, you better have it checked out. could be cancer. What is wrong with us? Could it just be I have a pain in my eyeball? Is that possible? <laughs> Acts chapter 14. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. We've got people that were hanging around with brand new Christians and the way they talk, evil affected their mind against other people they should be getting along with. They didn't come up with a thought. Somebody else suggested something. They let it get into their mind and it began to affect their actions towards other people. I was trying to prove my point here. Christian, you act and feel the way you do because to a large part, you have not, of what you've allowed around you all day long and all week long, and it is affecting you. Now, for all the, the things that may be wrong with it, I get locked up in this office back here. It's a nice lockup. I've been in some bad ones, but I've been in some nice ones. And there I am. Now, honestly, I don't have to face what you face. I have at one time. I've worked in the world, you name it, anywhere from landscaping to, to laying carpet to working on the B-1 bomber. I'm just a man of a lot of talents. Anyway. And so what happened is with all that going on, everything I face now, it comes from all different directions at any given time. Paul, how did you do that? You were beaten. You 
were stoned outside of a city. Actually, they thought you were dead. I think you were dead. He went to the third heaven, whether in the spirit or in the flesh. I know not, he said. He was shipwrecked, beaten with clubs. Not only his own countrymen turned against him, and then the cares of all the churches. Now, just tell me in comparison, what are you facing? I'm not downplaying what you're going through. I'm trying to let you know what extent you can overcome if you start thinking the way you're supposed to be thinking. You see, it affects the mind. It's like the arrows we just read about, the fiery darts of the wicked trying to get you to see and experience and think on something that is not good for you. Therefore, whoever or whatever controls the mind eventually controls the person. Whoever controls the person, eventually it's coming out. And that's what we see. Your ears are not trash cans. Why do you listen to trash? Your eyes are not cesspools. Your feelings are not to be like a ping-pong ball slapped and knocked around at any given time any way somebody else wants you to go. But this seems to be like we're helpless against this. It's not true. God has made a way for us to live for him. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Is it two more? We okay? Okay, good. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Now, I, I'm going to bring up the Bible because we're in church. Other than that, I don't talk about the Bible. No, I'm kidding. I'm on the job. I don't talk about the Bible. I talk about the Bible everywhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Drop down to verse number 4. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. Don't read into the Bible and don't make excuses for yourself as you read the Bible. Just listen to what God has to say. Right? For the weapons of our war... See, we're talking about this warfare again. But watch what he turns it into. Are not carnal. That means fleshly. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down, yeah, go ahead and read it, imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every, what, what is it? Every what? Thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Strongholds. You know strongholds are? I, I, it's a real good illustration, but I'm running out of time. Uh, I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, when we were fighting the Japanese and we went over into the islands over there in the Pacific, they built what they called pillboxes. Now, they knew that eventually this is a way that their enemy is going to come. So before they ever got there, they built these reinforced concrete and steel bunkers called strongholds. Because they knew one day, right is going to come along and try to get them out of there. And this is what happens. Even now, many are saying like this, yeah, but see, that's not me. Yeah, but see, that's not me. So what's happened is, over time, you have built or allowed the world to build strongholds in your thinking. But my God said, imaginations and every thought can be brought. So strongholds are something that's fortified. He said, pull, uh, pull those strong arguments down. Those arguments you've got in your head, if they go against the word of God, you got to pull them down. You, you got to get rid of them. Okay. And you can't. Then look at verse number five. He said, imaginations. Imaginations is reasonings, conscious thoughts of anything. He said this, 
that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So if God said, this is the way it is, and you say, no, you got a problem in your head. You've allowed something to take the place of truth, and it is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Actually, what it's doing is fighting. It's defending its right to do what you want to do. So we call that a stronghold. We come to find out, exalt anything against the knowledge of God. That's God's word. Anything, you, your friends, things around you, arguments, reasonings in your mind, the Bible said bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. A depressed, bad attitude, emotional, out-of-control Christian is a contradiction to the power of God. It is a contradiction to the power of God. You saved? I'm saved. I'm saved. I like being saved. Here was a guy, speaking of me, hated everybody, hated everything. He said, you hurt somebody. Okay. What do I care? I was so depressed and so angry with everything. And by the way, you know what did all that? I'm sorry. You know what allowed all that? I did. I allowed that. Nobody can make you hate other people. But our society is doing a pretty good job putting into people's minds what they should like and hate. That which is good is evil, and that which is evil is good. And our society is teaching it, and we're going like, yeah, yeah, that's wrong. We don't even know why. So what do we run into here? A depressed, bad attitude, emotional, out-of-control Christian is a contradiction to the power of God. If you would be honest, if you backtrack the sadness, the despondency, the discouragement, the depressant way that you feel, you check it out, what it is and who it is that you have allowed to occupy or control your mind, you'll find out they are the fiery darts of the wicked. Talked about it in Ephesians. You say, no, I've always been this way. Nobody starts off in life with predetermined ideas. We all start off these slimy little human beings, right? I've always been that way. No, you haven't. What you are right now are the people you meet and the things you've read. Okay, if that's true, whatever you are right now, whatever way you act right now is because of what you have allowed into here. I just determined I'm going to have a good day. Well, you don't know how things are going to turn out. Outside circumstances does not have to dictate the way I act. You think it has to. It does not have to. Okay. And so what do we find out here? You check it out. What it is and who it is that's allowing you, that, that is trying to control your mind, and you'll find out, ready, your music, TV, cussing, gossip, negative talk, self-pity, unbiblical reasoning, sin, wickedness, bad thoughts, pride, jealousy, strife. I'm probably not talking to anybody in here. Probably somebody down the street. Nudity, arguing, rebellion, sad thoughts, helpless thoughts, hopeless thoughts. Most people are depressed just hearing me talk about all this. It'll depress your average Christian just by hearing all of this. No, watch the news tonight before you go to bed. They'll change your spirit just like that. You go, like, boy, we had a great day. You won't believe what happened over in Europe. Oh, my goodness. Do you see that? Oh, yeah, they're burning this down. They're, they're shooting each other. Oh, no, it's terrible. And it had a bad effect on you, didn't it? 
and you're using that as an excuse on why you're acting. No, you've allowed it to affect you. Just mentioning all of this has an effect on it. So we do not, we do, look, I say don't dwell on it. Let it go. It's like hurt. There are people in Christianity, you keep telling me, you cannot let certain hurt go. How's that helping you? I have a scar right there. I got a scar here. I got a scar right there. Men love to talk about their scars. Old men like to talk about when they were younger. Anyway, I had this scar. You know, to this day, I can tell you exactly where that took place, what happened. I was reaching into a box full of brake shoes on a metal pan, came in a great big crate from off of a truck. And the place I was working in had those brake shoes at the time. And I reached in and grabbed this metal pan, and it was heavy, but I got it. And uh, it was heavy a long time ago. And as I pulled it out, they take these uh, uh, wooden crates, and they shoot staples in them about that long. Staples about that wide, and it comes out, and it shoots in, to, and it kind of holds it together. Well, one of those was sticking out. And when I grabbed that, that weight with my muscles... It tore it from up here all the way down the middle of my hand. And I don't mean it cut it. It tore it. It ripped it open. That's what I said. I didn't cuss or anything. It hurt. Now, because back in those days, the boss said, you'll finish the job, or you can just keep walking. I know they can't do that to the Z, zero, X, generate, whatever you call yourself today. I understand that. So he said, preacher, what did you do? I got duct tape. Duct tape's good for something. I wrapped it around there and went back to work. Now, all the rest of my life, I could keep picking at that and talking about it. I could. By the way, the scar reminds me all the time. It's still there. It reminds me of what happened. But it's not an open wound anymore. It is just a reminder of something that took place. The more you keep thinking about you, you might as well just keep the wound open, just keep picking and digging at it. Seriously, do you want to heal? No? Well, why do you keep talking about it? I was telling Mike one day that uh, years ago, maybe Brother Usher and some of you remember this, we had an uh, airborne honor guard here. Do you remember that? And uh, um, Mrs. Flick was here at the time, and I'm, I'm 173rd Airborne paratrooper, and uh, you're just not listening, are you? And so... Uh, we couldn't get anybody to come, and then she happened to get a hold of these people and said, that's a shame because our preacher was in the 170th. He was what? Oh, he's a brother. That's what they do, you know. And said, uh, yeah, we'll come over there for him. We'll come over there for your preacher. Well, when they got here, now listen to me carefully. I was in Vietnam. I wasn't a good soldier. It was not a good time. When I came back, I got saved. Decades later, I have 173rd Airborne Honor Guard. When they walked through that building, they couldn't stop talking about Vietnam. Do you remember this trail? Do you remember that battle? Do you remember this captain? Do you remember what happened down there? And finally, I kept saying, no, I don't think so. Uh, no, I don't think so. And finally, they looked at me almost with pity and said, you were in Vietnam, right? I said, fellas, listen to me. When I got saved, I took a right-hand turn. Amen. 
I don't live there. I don't dwell there. I don't rehearse that constantly all the time. You ever notice when you go to, to the veterans over here? Uh, used to since COVID has changed all that. I wonder what those guys do over there. Where, where do they go to talk? Anyway, uh, they go over there, and all they do is talk about how they hated the military. If you hate it that much, why do you keep talking about it? But they do. They still wear their fatigues. They're hiding. A, I know they're hiding a knife on them somewhere. I just know that. That's where those Vietnam veterans are, you know. And so what happens here is simply this. God said the power is there. God has given you the law of your mind. Are you listening to me? You can keep thinking about it and bring it, let it bring you down, or you can capture it, imagination and thought, bring it into subjection of God's will and put it where it needs to be. You can do that. So in verse number 10, he's, I'm sorry, verse number 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and having in a readiness to revenge. You know it's the only place in the Bible where the Bible said you can take vengeance? It's on yourself. You can't take vengeance on other people. God said, no, no, you can't do that. But here he said, once you find out how you've been manipulated and now you know the truth, once you figure that out, take vengeance upon your head. Get that thing straightened out. Or go through the rest of your life not bringing much glory to God. When you finally understand your mind has been against the word of God and you get your thoughts and imaginations right, then bring with vengeance back to the obedience of God. We're acting so helpless like I can't. Folks, if, if it's that helpless, nobody could live for God. The whole world would be turning us inside out. Circumstances would cause us to stop. Get rid of that reasoning which is against the word of God. Get rid of it. If it's against the word of God, you got to put it, lock that thing up. Get rid of that evil thinking which caused you to go against God. He said, I'm not going against God. If God said you can overcome this and you say you can't, you're going against God's word. Put back now, now that you understand what's been going on in your life, that sweet spirit that God said you ought to have. That helpful attitude God said you ought to have. That yielding of self, that sacrifice that God said you need to have. Control your emotions. Get that sweet spirit. Start obeying the word of God, not wrong thoughts and wrong feelings. That is what's detrimental to your spiritual life. How many of you know the song Zippity Doo? Zippity Doo, da. My, oh, my, what a terrible day. Do you know what happened to me? Just like that, right? What a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine headed my way. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-ay, Mr. Sunshine on my show. Oh, what a cute little children's song. Y'all try it. What is it you sing? Oh, you don't sing at all. You're so angry at everything. Everybody's against you. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. Think you eat some worms. Is that what you're going to do? Don't just get right and be embarrassed by the way you've been acting and thinking. Get right. I mean thoroughly get right. And then get even. Doesn't it irritate you when all of a sudden the truth comes through and you go, you got to be kidding me. Why didn't somebody tell me that? 
I'm telling you now. You are in more control of your life than doctors, psychiatrists, parents, and even some preachers will tell you that you have. God put the ball in your court, and that's why he says, I'll hold you responsible for your life. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4. We're almost done. Another eight pages. I depressed you right there. Then, oh, come on. Yeah. Got, a, got a bologna sandwich waiting on me. Philippians. Ephesians. There we go. Philippians. Go to Philippians chapter number 4. You there? What's controlling your mind should be you. What's controlling most people's mind, which comes out and you say, you don't know my mind. No, but your actions are showing what's in your mind. That's the way it works. Okay? Most people, just whatever comes in, is what we respond to. Like a ball in a pinball machine. I don't want to go that way, but it hit that bumper and it has to go that way. That's what it does. And God said, you're not that way. You have a will. I gave it to you. You decide. Here's what's truth. Everything else isn't. You make your, your choice. That's what you have to do. Look at Philippians chapter number 4. Go down to verse number 6. Chapter 4, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean uh, throw caution to the wind. He's saying don't worry about it. Don't fret about things. Don't let it gnaw away at you. Quit worrying about all that stuff. You just raised your hand and said, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm a child of God. Did you not? So he said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, do you pray? Do you pray? It's no wonder you're depressed. Supplication, that's begging in prayer. That is requiring of God over and over again. Do you do that? With thanksgiving, I'm thankful I'm a Christian. I'm thankful I'm saved. I'm thankful I had three donuts today. That's all I had here. Nobody brought me anything. You're depressed, aren't you? I can tell. Supplication means begging. It means petitioning. It means requesting. And then he said thanksgiving. Christians, in my opinion, most of them are the most unthankful people. You got all of this plus. And we keep acting as though God hasn't done anything for us. Thankfulness takes thankfulness. The reason you're not thankful, you didn't stop to think. You know some of you didn't hardly have any friends at all before you came here? Most of you were not saved until you came to this church. Many of you, your marriages fall apart until you came here. It wasn't because of what's here necessarily. It's because of your thinking changed. You decided, God said that, I, I'll do that. You just, you controlled your will. You agreed with God and things began to work for you. And so you need to learn to think upon what you do have and quit thinking about what you don't have. Look at verse number seven. The peace of God. The whole world wants peace. Turn that up there, that one. The whole world wants peace. And yet the Prince of Peace, they don't want to have anything to do with. How about you? Let's quit talking about the world situation. Let's talk about your situation. In the middle of all the heartache and the worry and the trouble, why is it, child of God, your father, your elder brother, the prince of, the prince of peace, you have no peace? Why is that? 
It doesn't mean you won't have any trouble. That means in spite of the trouble, you're still going to be okie-dokie. Amen. Amen. That's in the Hebrew. So what does he say? The Prince of Peace. Without the Son and obeying him, you're never going to have any peace. Then look at verse number 7. He said in verse number 7 here, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding. I don't understand how those Christians can act like that with all they're going through. That's what people ought to be saying about you. When you start agreeing with the world about your condition, your attitude, your actions, you're in trouble. Because they don't know the first thing about you. Watch what he says. Shall keep your two things. Here's your problem. Hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Your heart is your emotion. Your heart, if you would, are your feelings. It's your attitude. That's why we say we don't go like this. With all my mind, I love you. We go with all my heart, I love you. You never heard a love song that said, with all my kidneys, I love you. But with all my heart. And then he said, with the mind. That's your thoughts, your reason, your imagination. So God's got the whole basis covered if we will do what he said. You know what he said? First of all, let's be thankful. Let's pray. Let's think on these things. This is what we ought to be doing. And there he said, with all this going on, be careful for nothing, but in everything, everything, everything. That means the bad and the good. God, thank you for watching over me during this bad time. God, thank you for getting me out of that bad time and helping me live the way you want me to. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Be a thankful people. A thankful people normally sing and not, not. I don't understand. This is terrible. How do you get a love song out of rap? I can see you on your honeymoon. <laughs> Honey, I really love you, and we're going to <laughs> Man, that's exciting. Woo, boy, oh, boy. I can't hardly stand it. It's all anger. You want to know what's going on in our streets? What I'm preaching on tonight. Their mind is being evil affected. And everybody says, you can't help that. That is not true. So he said, minds, God is saying no need to worry. There's no need to worry. Worry brings on depression eventually. It's it's just what happens here. You need to pray and keep coming to me, God is saying, with all what you want, what you need, and what you're concerned about. What bothers you the most? Can I just ask you something more than complaining about it and whining about it? Did you go to God and say, you can help me? I know you can. I know people right now with, I know a guy right now without a leg that praises God more than some people in his church. Why him and not you? Because he's decided, I will do what God wants and I will bring him praise and be thankful for it all. I wondered, and this sounds terrible, I hope they're not watching. Miss Karen Kavanagh, whose husband just died, because I think I know her, I'll bet that she is just thankful to God that her husband is being taken care of. You think she's thinking about herself? I went to a funeral one time, my wife's uncle's wife, beautiful woman. He's a great guy, born-again Christian, loved the Lord, good provider, three beautiful kids. And we used to go over there, and uh, these kind of people, listen to me, married couples, look at me. They had been married for a while. They had three teenage kids at the time, I think, one, one anyway. 
and the other thing that two ups after that. But she didn't go like this. Time for you to get out of bed. It's work time. I ain't telling you again. That's not what she did. I sat in her living room, and she said, excuse me, I need to get in my chair. with your kids, it's fine. They won't get out of bed, get an ice cold glass of water and just dump it on them. See, they're, they're, they're gambling. You won't do that. They, they won't ruin the sheets. I'll ruin it in a minute. <laughs> oh, I will. Now, watch this very carefully. When you do this, God said, I'll calm your thoughts I'll bring peace to your heart. Is this not what you desperately say you want, you need? What psychiatrist has told you that's the way to do it? Here's what happens. You go to a doctor. It's just the way they've been trained. It's just the way they've been trained. Uh, watch it. As soon as you go in the hospital, first thing they do is hook you up and start giving you medication. They're not even sure what's wrong yet. If you're having trouble sleeping, here, take two of those. Oh, you can't swallow? Here, we'll put it in here. I mean, it's just... It's the way they've been trained, right? If you deny it, they almost get upset. Oh, no, you're going to need this. No, I'm fine. Okay, what's with the little faces that go, your pain level on a scale of 1 to 10? Now, look at the little faces over here. What are you on? How am I supposed to know? Compared to what? Being shot? Beat up? What am I comparing this to? Here's what most people do. Oh, it's a 12. Easy. It is a 12. Why? We don't want to suffer through anything. I just, I, I'm just not going to be that way. Or you will once you go through it. You ever had your gallbladder taken out? That's a little painful. You ever had shingles? That actually numbs your nerves down your leg and in your foot. You ever had that? That's not even close to the worst thing that's ever happened to you. The worst thing that's happened to me was on a family boat and a friendship. Paul, how can you go on? That's a great question. When you read about his life and what he went through, you've got to say, how in the world did the guy do that? I think that's a fair question. I think it's a good question. How do you keep from letting wrong thoughts enter into your mind and control you and say, if you would, forget the world. If they're going to treat me that way, let them go to hell. How did he do this? In Philippians chapter 4, look at verse number 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Now just listen to this list. You tell me if this is what you do. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of our good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Watch, watch. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do 
and the peace of God shall be with you. God made you a promise. You think on these things, you follow that which is right, you make sure you pray, you make sure you're thankful, and God said, I will bring peace to your mind and to your heart. Where's your problem at? By the way, in Proverbs, it even talks about your stomach and your bones. So, can I ask a question? Read your Bible in wholesome material. Well, first of all, just read. No, don't just read. That's good. Read. Yeah. Have good music in your home. You don't know why your kids are all keyed up. Look at their programs and their music. And don't ever send them to public school. Guard the conversation when you're around people. No negative talk. Here's what I do with people that talk negative. Uh, here, come here, Gio. Here's a go. Gio is a complainer. That's all he ever does. Is when I get done preaching, he's first in line to tell me how bad everything is today. You know what I do? Hey, Gio, how you doing, buddy? Everything going good? Well, preacher, let me tell you what's Oh, man, I'll tell you. I'll pray for you. Hey, you have a good day, okay? Thank you. Well, that's not nice. Okay, well, you stay there and let him affect you. That is totally unnecessary. But he's got into this habit of complaining and whining and murmuring and telling everybody nobody knows the trouble I've seen. He should be singing Zippity-Doo-Dah and not the other song. Is that right? But he's got this into his head. Everybody needs to know the sorrow that I've seen. Everybody needs to know the pain that I've gone through. Everybody needs to know what's happening in my life is weak. Can we not just talk about have prayer and let's go on? Can we not do that? He is quite the complainer. Maybe. Get out of here. No gossip. Gossip will destroy your spirit. Whether it's coming from your mom. Did I just say that? No, my mom wouldn't gossip. If she talks about others, that's called... G-O-S-S-O-P, gossip. That's what it's called? TV and radio. Shows on TV, listen to me carefully. You, what do you think? It makes you feel good? Look, you can't even watch a football game without yelling and screaming and, and hinging on cussing. That stupid idiot. He got paid to... Brady, 300 and some million dollars to be a commentator? Now, that's enough to depress you. Here I am giving my life to others, and what do I make? Uh, who knows? There we go. Now, so, watch who you fellowship with. You, you can't just fellowship, not even in church. Now, for those of you that are so perfect, nobody in here can come to your level. You have way too much pride, and you need to be humbled. People who reason against the Bible, you need to stay away from. People who argue against and question your stand, your principles, and what you do. And then look what he says in verse 9. Do. You're going to have to do this. You can't just read it. You can't just quote it. You can't just find it in the Bible. You have to do these things. You must do it. This is done on purpose. All of that was the introduction. Jordan, you're laughing way too loud. Couple points, we're done. Number one, how to handle pressure. Recognize the problem. Just recognize the problem. Don't ignore it. Be honest. If I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. Just face it. Just face it. Number two, understand there is an answer. You just need to find it. 
There's an answer to depression. It is the peace of God which shall keep your mind and your heart. That's the answer. How do I do that? That's what I'm after. Number three, realize it is not the end of the world. It's not. I, I don't understand an eight-year-old so depressed that he's taking his own life. I, I don't understand that. I grew up in a broken home. Dad was a drunk. On, on, on. I can go on, on, on. I will never understand why a Christian would do that. Why would you want to do that? You honestly want to meet your Savior taking a life that did not belong to you, that you gave to him? And then what do you, what do, you do? You don't understand what I went through. You talking to the Savior who went through all that and trying to convince him he doesn't know what you went through? Christian, get your chins up off the ground. Put a smile on that thing you call a kisser. Learn how to sing. Tell somebody about Jesus Christ and start living the way God wants you to. And the Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Realize it. All right, your mind is not thinking right. Your attitude stinks and your emotions are ruling. You've been rebelling against the word of God that is preached to you from this stand. Your life is not over with. God is simply saying, here's your problem. Here's your answer. So preacher, you might as well call out my name. If I wanted to, I would have. How nice of me to know that you have a problem and I preached on it. You have a problem, and I preached on it. Well, I just don't think you had. What do you want me to do? See, we've turned this whole thing around with doctors, too. I go to the VA, and I go like this. Uh, what do you think I'll do about this? Here's what they'll say. What would you like for us to do? Excuse me, knucklehead. You're the doctor. What am I supposed to do? How much medicine should I take? It's all according to how much you want to take. Tell me what to do. Okay, ready? I'm going to close here. We've got uh, five of us sitting in a cancer ward, and we've all been tested, and we're waiting for the doctor. Doctor doesn't want to hurt your feelings. So he comes out, and here's what he says. Uh, I hate to break the news to you, but somebody in this waiting room has cancer. I don't want to hurt you, so I'm not going to tell you what it is. Well, he shouldn't do that, should he? Wouldn't you want to know? So I'm telling you something you may not want to hear, but you need to know it. Or I could come here and go like this. Now, some people aren't living right. I can't help you. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. As long as we all get along, that's all that matters. That's not what matters. Truth is what matters. And the Bible said that truth has fallen in the street. And because of that, equity and judgment cannot move forward. It has to stop right there. When equity, when truth falls in the middle of the street, nothing else can get by. Ladies and gentlemen, you ought to be thanking anybody that will tell you. You don't have to be mean about it. Tell them the truth. You're not living right. God has more hope for you than you have for yourself. God said, look, think on these things. Think on these things. Quit putting this junk in your head. Start putting this right in your head. And it's amazing when a person starts thinking right how their attitude changes. And when attitude changes, actions begin to change. And you can actually zippity-doo-dah instead of nobody knows the trouble I've seen. I'm glad I'm saved. We listen to news media and so-called experts, and, and they're so far from truth. They're just mimicking what they've been taught by worldly schools. They don't know any better. 
but I know somebody that knows everything about everything. Will you listen to him? I'm glad I'm saved. When I do complain, the first thing that strikes me is how good God has been to me when I have no idea. Puts me right back on top side again. How about you? Well, this. Is there anything over here that's any good at all? You're breathing. Let's start there. That's kind of good. You're the Anchor Baptist Church. That's really good. Can I break some real news to you? You are in America. That's really good. You're still not smiling. What's wrong? Come back here and slap the whole bunch of you. Smile. You smile. Here's the fundamentalist. Who's he talking about? That's all we care about, right? Who's the preacher after? You ready? You. You know who God's after? You. Do you know he knows when you're lying to yourself and to others? He knows that. You're only going to fake it so long. Because who or whatever controls the mind eventually will control the person. What a shame. And Christ said, he gets you out of this if you let him. Let's pray. Father, thank you.